0: Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today it's my privilege to have as my guest, Dr. Ashley Hales. We're going to speak about her new book, A Spacious Life, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. Ashley holds a Ph.D. in English from the University of Edinburgh, Scotland. She's a writer, speaker, and hosts the Finding Holy podcast. Ashley's married to a pastor, and she's the mother of four young children. Her writing has been featured in such places as Christianity Today, the Gospel Coalition, and Books and Culture. She loves speaking around the United States, and she's also the author of Finding Holy in the Suburbs. You can connect and find out more about Ashley at aahales.com or on Instagram or Twitter at aahales. I'm really excited about this conversation. We're going to do a deep dive into to a spirituality that envisions life as being spacious with the key to moving into that spaciousness, not simply doing more. But instead, embracing the God given limitations in our lives and finding, maybe surprisingly for some of us, that by embracing our limits, our life actually gets bigger. Let's jump right into the conversation. Welcome to the show, Ashley. It's so great to have you.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Yeah, can you uh, just start by sharing some of your key moments in your own spiritual journey that led you to speak and teach and podcast and, and now write this uh, new book, A Spacious Life, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits? Can you talk about yeah. how you got to this point?
1: Sure. Well, I, I started out with a PhD that took a very long time because we have four children and I. Pushed pause after each child was born, but eventually I finished that. I thought I would kind of end up in the academy, mm-hmm. um, and God had other plans. I always thought I I was a someone who could write about writing more than write myself. Um, but after my fourth child was born, I felt like I I needed something creative. I needed something as a spiritual discipline to practice Mm -hmm. finding beauty in ordinary mundane moments. And I needed something also that could take me beyond like simply doing the diaper changes and the laundry. Uh, So I started writing, um, and then it became kind of a way, as I wrote my first book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and this next one, A Spacious Life, a way to kind of practice what does it look like and to think more deeply about a Christian life in my ordinary life. Um, and so it became, yeah, a way to commune with God and a way to create community. Um, and then podcasting became sort of a thing for me. I host the Finding Holy podcast because, as you know, right, when you're writing, it can feel, you know, like you're just behind a screen and you don't have any sort of collegiality. And so I, I wanted colleagues. And so I kind of created that through the podcast. And just I love having deep conversations and so maybe I wasn't always having those all the time with neighbors, but it was an, a way to begin to have these deep conversations about the the things that matter and then I always asked my guests about their laundry routines and so a chance to actually integrate what we know with how we live. Um, so yeah I think now I, I feel like the writing and the podcasting and the teaching and the speaking, it all makes it makes sense of a lot of my earlier ambition and desires to be teaching in in the academy. Um, No matter what I've kind of found that I'm called to help people kind of develop a more robust Christian imagination. And I feel like whether I'm in the classroom teaching about literature or whether, you know, I am teaching about our limits, that is a way to begin to have those conversations.
0: Yeah, and i love your your writing style too on the book you, you're able to weave in some some actually some pretty personal stuff that you put in the book and yeah. then with scripture and uh, just great stories that all that wraps it up so it's a, it's really uh really grateful that you've embraced this calling and so let's just jump right into it uh like, yeah. what, what's the problem with uh hustle and hurry uh ashley since that's kind yeah. of the uh that's the that's the that's the the basic message these days right, right?
1: yes well i think you know hustle and hurry i are the virtues of kind of our Western individualistic society. Um, And so we tend to think that through hustle, through hurry, we're going to somehow get to like a more meaningful life. Um, I just think of a lot of neighbors I know, know, particularly women who are taking, you know, they're trying to figure out how to work remotely. They're schooling their kids online during COVID-19. Um, as things are opening up, they're taking their kids to about 800 activities or camps, you know, this summer. And, you know, then they're trying to fit in like a girls' night or a Bible study. And their schedules are jam-packed. They're working so hard. And so what ends up happening through Hustle & Hurry is that we cycle between production and an escape. Good. So we're not actually resting, right? We're working ourselves <laughs> into a frenzy because that's how we think we're going to get to meaning. And we don't ever get there. We think it'll happen sometime far off in the distance, you know, when our children leave home or, or something like that. And I think there there is a way to actually experience spaciousness in our lives, in our ordinary lives, in our real lives, and not like push it off. But we have to actually reckon with hustle and hurry that those are not the roads that we're going to get to a more meaningful life
0: yeah and, and and just throw a couple words in just to get some mm-hmm. clarity on on that i mean like um if we were going to say like um, as as Christians, if we if we have a sense mm-hmm. of calling, like you had you had a sense of calling to write. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then you, you know, then you're married, you have four children, you're trying to do your PhD, mm-hmm. your yeah. your husband's working and you know Matt, yep. again, we didn't even talk, but I mean probably moving around different places just to fulfill yeah. calling. So how mm-hmm. how do you actually discern between like embracing your own calling, um, maybe a true godly ambition, maybe God really has mm-hmm. put on your heart something big, and then how do you know or or sense whether that's really from God or if it's just selfish or misguided mm-hmm. ambition? If we want to grab like a mm-hmm. the language that Paul say, uses mm-hmm. in like a Philippians or something,
1: mm-hmm. I think that's such a great question because yeah, ambition isn't wrong and right. having desires or plans. Um, aren't wrong and so i think we can often think embracing our limits means like we just sit down and do nothing and expect god will like give us pixie dust on our lives and well, you know everything will become magically clear um but you know we are told right to work out our salvation so yeah. the gospel isn't opposed to effort but it is opposed to earning right dallas willard says and so i think when we think about godly ambition, one thing I was thinking about is, um, Buchner talks about the pattern of the Psalms and the pattern of the Christian life, moving from orientation to disorientation to reorientation. And so usually there's some kind of valley experience in the Psalms. And we of course, we see that in the life of Christ in both his testing in the wilderness, as well as of course, in the garden of Gethsemane before he's crucified. And, I think that our godly ambition will probably follow some of that pattern, um, versus I think we like maybe a, a more, you know, misguided ambition. We think will always go like up and to the right, right? That the trajectory is always improving. You know that you move from your cubicle to the corner office to partner of a law firm, and you know your children are always beautiful and perfectly behaved um, but you know it's those valley experiences those disorientation. I think that helps us to reframe some of that ambition, so that it's chastened a little bit. Um, and I think too, maybe even the way in which we can hold our ambition more loosely um, to be okay with giving it up, I think, gives us a clue a little bit about how we are using it either for God's kingdom or for our own kingdom.
0: Uh, it's really helpful. And, you know, you used just a couple of words already that um, mm-hmm. th- you've used the word identity, I think, at least once. You've used meaning a couple of different times, and we threw in mm-hmm. ambition. So how do you, how does one find uh, meaning and identity <laughs> apart from uh, just, just what you just said, the idea that mm-hmm. we're always going to have progress? Because in a sense, mm-hmm. your book struggles with, I mean, it's not struggles, mm-hmm. it's actually trying to solve that dilemma, right? Where true yeah. meaning and identity come from. So what, how, what, what, how would you, how do you actually embrace, (laughs) have ambition, but within an identity of being loved by God Mm -hmm. and the meaning coming from your, who you are in Christ over against the stuff that you do. And that's, I mean, it's always the tension, I suppose.
1: It is, it is. And, you know, as we were talking even beforehand, thinking, you know, this book is coming out in September, right? Everyone's got their, you know, fall schedules and, you know, they're reevaluating their lives and they got their new planners, right? And there's so much that's pushing us into, like how you use your time. Um, and so I think even if we thought of a few categories to help us understand um, this kind of push pull between work and ambition and effort on the one hand and the sense of spaciousness by embracing our limits. And it might even be like, you could take your calendar out, look at your calendar. Um, we all have limits of our seasons, you know, of our finances, of our bodies and um, our places you know, our family, whatever kind of family situation we're in. And I think even just looking at a week or a month um, on our calendars is one way where we can begin to at least ask ourselves some harder questions and to bring those questions in prayer to God um, about how we're spending our time, you know, um, that might be one kind of practical way that we can begin to ascertain, am I doing all of these activities and things because I feel like they make me more fully alive in Jesus, or am I doing these because, you know, I feel like everyone else is around me is doing them. I feel like my children are gonna fall behind, you know, behind what is always a question, but you know, um, you know, the, if they don't do all of these sorts of things and, and be, we begin to ask ourselves some of these questions um, so that we're at least understanding why we're doing what we're doing. And then, you know, some of the identity pieces, I believe, happen as we kind of honestly slow down, you know, as we sleep. Um, I talk in the book about various invitations, and I think our limits ultimately are invitations. They're invitations to be human, to know God and make him known, Um, and we see Jesus doing this all throughout the Gospels, that his limits were actually embraced, his common human limits, and so... Maybe, like those invitations, whether they are to rest or to delight or to practice Sabbath, to put down social media, that these are maybe our modern ways in which we're actually choosing to do something countercultural. And in those little daily practices, you know, like putting your phone away for a 24 hour Sabbath, um, will actually reframe how we view the world, how we go out and work in the world, and how we go about our work.
0: I like those. I I love those practical uh, those practical ideas. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of the things I liked about your your book. And so, in a sense, then um, I mean, limits boundaries that we mm-hmm. have. Those that's actually ironically, uh, uh, the the way to have freedom, right? So um, right. So, so, what, so how, if, if you were talking to a really busy person, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a a person like yourself has mm-hmm. a, a mother who's at home with kids, who's, who's a professional, or whether mm-hmm. it's just a, a a dad who's super busy, like, mm-hmm. how, how do you, what, what is your technique that you use? Or maybe the, the, the how does a conversation go where you help somebody mm-hmm. to kind of realize their limits? And then like, what's your first, like, Hey, um, why don't you try this? Or is it what you just said? You try to get people to pull off social media for 24 hours. How does that right. work for you when you're helping somebody one-on-one? You know, That's
1: a great question. I think um, what I realized when I started writing this book is I kind of, I, I realized I wanted to offer an argument. You know, I wanted to kind of pull at the threads of all of these self-help books that are like, you can find your true identity inside yourself and you can work harder and be who you want to be. And, um, And I wanted to kind of argue, you know, that person in the corner office and just tell them how that's all wrong. Um, But then I really, I think I shifted in the writing of the book and realized, you know, I think especially middle-aged women and probably a lot of young people too, as they're coming out of college, feel this pressure to kind of Mm -hmm. curate their own lives. And they feel like they have to do everything. And most of the time they're actually exhausted and they feel full of shame and they are lacking limits in their lives and they don't know what to do with it. And so I think as I imagined that reader, the one who's trying to spin all the plates and not necessarily everything's firing in all cylinders but feeling the weight of all of those plates, I began to try to think about how can we offer our limits as invitations? And I think that's a way to kind of reframe the whole conversation in ways that are really helpful to people and so when i'm talking to someone i actually had a conversation with a neighbor back when we lived in california and she was you know, I was just saying, I'm writing a book on limits. And she was saying, wait, you know, so I don't have to, you know, my partner's having has a health diagnosis. And I'm trying to volunteer in my children's class. And I have like three entrepreneurial ventures and wait, like, I don't have to have everything firing on all cylinders. And I was like, no, you can be human. So I think even just telling people like, you can be human, you don't have to be superhuman. Um, or even encouraging them. I was talking with a woman the other day who's you know flying out I think they got back from a vacation we had one day together and then there she's flying out to go present to the CEO and I was just saying that is great that's so exciting but like also I hope you have some downtime you know so even realizing there will be seasons that are full and then Then, you know, realizing we're human and that we need to recover from some of those seasons too, or just putting those sorts of rhythms into practice are great kind of markers to remember our humanity.
0: Yeah. I like the the section. Yeah. I just remember the part of the book that you were kind of mm-hmm. just mentioning where you say like, you'll go with have a super busy week, which is fine. There are seasons of busyness, but I, you know, I yeah. love even my own coaching talking about seasons, you know, even mm-hmm. professional athletes, they may, you know, yeah. or even a Navy, a Navy SEAL can go without sleep for days, but when they're done with the mission, they actually right. sleep and stuff. And so, but a lot of times right. we don't get that memo and we just um, jam as much yeah. as we can. And then, um, you never get a chance to do what you said, be human. And it just ends up being a, a grind and you just end up burned out or even, even, you know, and even like, as you know, we're talking to a lot of Christians on this podcast. Yeah. One of the biggest dangers is if you have a religious call on we have a lot of pastors that listen mm-hmm. to the show, um, you know, no pastor ever has gotten in trouble for working too much, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Um, y- yet, um, that's the exact opposite of what a real spiritual life looks like. And you know, and you talk mm-hmm. a lot about sleep and Sabbath. And I and I think those are kind of two fun, sort of clear, God-given mm-hmm. markers that mm-hmm. we see in the scriptures. And so mm-hmm. sleep and Sabbath, how are those undervalued? And mm-hmm. what would it look like for Christians, you know, let alone the whole world to mm-hmm. kind of re-embrace, hey, let's try to get seven to eight hours of sleep as much as we can and right. then you know right. practice a Sabbath.
1: Right. You know, I think um, you know, in our, in our Western world, we tend to value and measure our worth by by numbers, right? So how many hours you're working a week, um, even social media followers, how much money do you have in the bank? And because we have a number, we can be like, I'm worthy because I have this number, right, to look to. But unfortunately, right, that number, like the goalpost keeps moving back, right? Or the yeah. number keeps moving up. Um, and so it's, our identities as we've been talking, right. Aren't something to achieve, but to receive. Um, And so I think when we think of Jesus, like um, I love, you know, the only two times we hear the audible voice of God, the father, right. He's saying the same thing. And he's saying like, here's my son. I love him. He's amazing. You should listen to him. (laughs) And you know, because of that identity that Jesus has with the father, he is able to like go about his ministry, right? He, and he doesn't have to prove anything. So he takes a nap, right? When, um, he is out on the sea of Galilee and, and he practices Sabbath, you know, he wakes up and goes and prays and communes with his father before he goes about his business of preaching and healing. And I think a lot of the times, if we don't have those same rhythms, um, in our lives, we're going to keep trying to work harder. You know, we're going to binge watch too much Netflix and stay up too late and not respect the limits of our body. Um, or we're going to keep trying to always check our email. Um, we're going to think, okay, sure, I'll I'll do this Christian thing, right? I'll go to church, I'll go to worship. Um, but after that, I better hustle and get things done or even like doing pleasurable things. It's like we're trying to accumulate. Um, our identities instead of first receiving it from God. Um, And so something, yeah, as simple as like, I'm going to not have a blue screen, (laughs) you know, up in my face um, after 8 p.m. or, you know, and then I'm going to put my plug in my phone in the kitchen um, and not use it for alarm. So email isn't the very first thing that I check first thing in the morning when I wake up. um, I'm going to practice the daily office and Sabbath, and be out in nature and be with my family and my community and my neighbors. I think it kind of it does really open up this sense of spaciousness that then we can continue back into our work weeks um, and do the things we need to do. But it isn't something that we're quite hustling for in our worth. It's so revolutionary. And I think we notice like that itchiness, you know, when we actually are silent right before God, or, you know, we're choosing to pause to pray, or, you know, we think we're going to miss out if we actually have a good night's sleep, Um, or, yeah, what am I going to miss, right, Um, if I take a Sabbath and take a nap during the day?
0: In, in the word spaciousness, I should have raised this question already. I mean that's mm-hmm. you, that's the basically right at the in the beginning of the title a spacious life and And mm-hmm. I loved even how you just uh, talked talk about the word. but when you say spaciousness, mm-hmm. what is it that, you, that what does that word mean to you? and mm-hmm. and I guess you you've, I've sort of you sort of talked about how it's an invitation, but can you say a little bit more about mm-hmm. that word because that's it, it's a great word and I like how yeah, you've I already so. how, how you're using it already.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, I think there's a few, a few kind of connection points for me. I, I love um, the I think it's Psalm 18, where, you know, it, it talks about the psalmist says that you've brought me out to a spacious place and he has mm. rescued me because he has delighted in me. Wow. And, and yet we know that we go through turmoil and we go through suffering. Um, and yet we see in the life of Christ, like that there is this spaciousness, this communion with the father. That he experiences, you know, even at the point of death, right? And and so I'm convinced, you know, that the great that Christian life follows the pattern of Christ's life. And so if we are to get the life of the spirit and the life of Christ in us, we have to follow some of those same rhythms. But what is fascinating about the limits thing is really, you know, as I was kind of imagining this book, is um in The Last Battle, the last of the Chronicles of Narnia by C. S. Lewis there's king Tyrion and and the the narnian children right and they're they're forced they see this stable and the stable has been this ramshackle place um it's been the site of the false god tash they get like backed into a corner in the battle into the stable and there's this beautiful line lewis has and he says um says you know when they're they kind of like are actually in in this whole another dimension, right? They come into the stable and it expands. It's kind of like those those tents, right? In Harry Potter, where when they when they get in and all of a sudden you know there's like a whole mansion inside this very small space that looks really small and homely and tight and restrictive from the outside. And Tyrion says, you know, oh, the inside is actually bigger, you know, than than the outside and Lucy comments yes you know that in in our world too once the stable held the whole world and and so as I was meditating on these sorts of things I think limits are like that too they're like that stable that when we look at it and we're like I don't actually want to embrace my human limits I think that's going to feel like death and something restrictive something ramshackle and falling apart and I don't think I'm going to be safe there Um, but once we enter in we find that the inside is actually bigger that something expands. And so I think as I was thinking through it, the idea of spaciousness as a form of rescue that also has this paradox to it became a really important way to think about how we move forward.
0: Yeah. I, I I love that. I, I always um <clears throat> I like to talk with with folks in my in my coaching with um mm-hmm. about <clears throat> always have to make cleanup lists and i always Mm. because it is like the idea because it's like to me the spiritual spiritual discipline spiritual formation it does that's why i really like your title and i like the word Mm. spaciousness that you know it's it's ironic that um your life actually does get bigger and it's not Mm -hmm. exactly easy to tangibly describe that just you know like we're doing but in the sense it's if you trust God enough to, yeah. <laughs> that God has your best interest at heart right. uh, and that you can take on this the yoke mm-hmm. you know like even Jesus talks about my yoke's mm-hmm. easy and you're like what, what are you talking about but it, it, <laughs> I think doesn't that's doesn't what you're
1: easy. It, yeah yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's, that's kind of what you're teasing out this whole idea that mm-hmm. you know the the, the the life that God dreams for us when he created us is really big and and ironically our own effort to earn something makes it small
1: yeah yeah that's exactly right
0: so um, use the word delight. You say maybe the, and I was wondering, mm-hmm. I guess it comes out of Psalm 18. I may not have picked it mm-hmm. up in the book, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know I love that. It shows up. I mean delight's used in multiple psalms and mm-hmm. you know like even Psalm one, my delight is in the law of the Lord and mm-hmm. on his word I meditate day and, and night. And so you have that delight as kind of an antidote to busyness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how can we help? And I guess even me, it's like I would say I'd struggle if I was struggled with anything, it's like I don't always a, I'm a, I'm kind of a, a very driven person. And I have a lot yeah. of goals and everything. And and I do, if, mm-hmm. if I was going to say what's something I don't do, I probably mm-hmm. don't delight enough. So mm-hmm. if like you know, so help me a little bit today, Ashley. Yeah. So like what are some practical yes. ways to learn how to practice delight in in our lives? Yes.
1: I think that's such a good question. And I I felt like I used to be good at delight <laughs> and I've as I've aged, I feel it's harder, right? Because there's so many responsibilities, um, so many worries about what's going to happen or, or whatnot. And so I think delight, though, is a muscle like hope, mm. and it grows cool. uh, the more we the more we use it. And so one thing it would be to watch children, right? Watch small children if you have them, or if they're in your neighborhood, or, you know, you're walking through a park. Um, I think even just. Paying attention to what does delight look like for children is a good practice. Um, Or even asking yourself, so I can ask you, Brian, what did you enjoy as a child?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, so like for me, I just quickly, um, like I loved playing in the pool, right? In the summers, like that felt like freedom. Um, And so that was a practice I even did the other day or last summer, I think was actually where I was choosing like I'm gonna go play in the pool with my kids. Um, even though I don't want to, I'd rather read a book on the side you know at the side of the pool. but choosing some of those earlier practices. So yeah, what did you have maybe in your childhood that brought delight? that you can return
0: to that's good and, and you're actually asking me I am right asking, now, right? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 no no, no <laughs> that's what I was,
1: flip the microphone <laughs> no no this is
0: good no this is good so you know i guess when i you know i was uh i was very odd uh, odd shot i have to say just because uh I, I get when i was a little kid i wanted to be a professor when i grew mm-hmm. up so like when mm-hmm. i was so I, I was a big reader and i guess mm-hmm. music so i would say reading music learning stuff mm-hmm. was what i really mm-hmm. took delight in uh, when i was mm-hmm. like, was a kid and that's one of the reasons why sometimes now it's like kind of got to do what I thought I wanted to do. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so, so like what would you say to to me just with uh with it from from that response?
1: Yeah. Well I think even some of it too is like, you know, as I hear you talking about, you know, playing music and sometimes we can try to just be proficient at something. So yeah. I wonder even, you know, is there a new instrument you can learn or a way to play the instrument you play or to enjoy listening to the music that you enjoy in ways that feel a little childish, you know, and feel like you could fail and make mistakes and it could be okay. Because I think that's got to be part of it too. And not simply like, I'm going to be really great at the piano, right? It's another something to achieve. Um, So yeah, what could be playful, um, that feels fun and maybe risky, but you also don't have to like share it with the world. So it's okay.
0: (laughs) No, that's actually really helpful because you know it's actually funny, um I, I, I have a therapist and and we she actually said exactly what you just said to me. She goes, "Why don't you play your guitar with no agenda?" And I'm like, uh, yeah, oh, okay. And it's like, oh. and then, but you know, but that's but that's actually, I think the hard thing, I think, for some folks because it's like, um, Um, I I don't know if you've ever met um, Mandy Smith, she has a book called unfettered that just came out this year. And she Mm -hmm. talks about trying to grab this childlike faith again. So she talks about Mm -hmm. playfulness a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And and I gotta say, um, again, you, you know, this doesn't need to be about me. But that's, that's the piece that I think is hard. And I don't haven't, Maybe it's just my personality, but I, yeah. you know, I would say I actually struggle with that because I don't have any problem, for example, with failing. Because I've convinced right. myself a long time ago, the only way to succeed is to learn yeah. how to fail right. and didn't get back yeah. up and keep moving forward. But the playfulness stuff would be something mm. <laughs> like I always pray to have joy in the journey, and I'm and that, yeah. that's probably the 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 playfulness is interesting, and that's what Jung did the same thing, right? Carl Jung, he would go out and just play in the sand or something, right. supposedly, right? Is so yeah. so. What is it about yeah. playfulness you think in childlessness? child likeness that's um Mm -hmm. so important for us to grab as adults
1: Mm. i think it just helps reorient us to our common humanity too i think sometimes we can take ourselves so seriously or you know use our jobs or our degrees or you know our travel plans as like markers of look at me i've created this beautiful life um and i think there's something really refreshing right about being people being around people right that feel free to fail and to ask good questions of people and to feel like they are in it. I remember I met um when my kids were really little, I met a mom and she was like we had just moved to a new town and she was playing with her kids at the playground and I was like I don't know how to do that very well. <laughs> and so I just befriended her and so maybe that's something too where I just you know and just had the weird conversation where I was like you seem like a really cool mom and you're engaged with your kids and like, I need friends. (laughs) And, you know, we ended up being, she hosted a book club. And so we ended up being really great friends. And, you know, I think there's something that just kind of draws people in um, when people don't have to prove something all the time.
0: That's good too. You just raised another piece. Then so like part of I was going to ask you about liturgies and how do we bring that mm-hmm. into life? And I think you just gave a great illustration. I mean, having friends, right? I mean, so a lot of adults yeah. don't have good friends, right? I mean, you've run, you, you've seen that. You just kind of shared yeah. that yourself, and so you find people that are fun to be with, and uh, that's that can be a way towards uh, mm-hmm. um, play playfulness. Uh, what else about like say liturgies? I mean, I know you, I know you quoted at least once, maybe it was a couple times, James K.A. Smith, and he, you know, mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, you are what you love and all. And then I think he had some right. quotes from his book on Augustine also. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what are some of your go-to liturgies or practices? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you've mentioned daily office and some, mm-hmm. So, are there other like, um, maybe not so spiritual liturgies that right. you find yeah. help you to embrace limits and grow in grace?
1: Yeah, I mean well I've started just like even making lists like in just like a composition book about like wh- where are my limits? Um it's
0: yeah, good it's a great and question. just even just
1: like naming them yeah and writing them down feels it feels like it brings a sense of freedom. We were at um I took my kids back to California for a week and I was fretting the whole time because I was trying to get all this work done and I wasn't able to, I was so apparent to you know, the grandparents were there, but you know, I'm still responsible for my children and, you know, I just realized, okay, like I can't, I can't do it all and worrying about it. Isn't making me actually do the work. So what am I going to do with it? And so part of it was one writing down my limits and two, like just writing down everything I needed to do. So it just got out of my head, like a brain dump as um, a spiritual practice can be really helpful too, so that we have space for people and for God and ourselves, and instead of turning everything around and around in our heads. So yeah, a brain dump as a spiritual practice can also be, be helpful with your limit list.
0: And do you and would you do something like that again? That that sounds like it could be a journaling practice. So I guess you can just yeah. do it mentally. So is that like, um, I mean, is uh, do you recommend people do that like in the morning and afternoon or just any time for something like that? That's a great idea. Yeah, I
1: think you know whenever you find yourself continually turning things over, um, yeah, just get out a piece of paper, dump it there. You can also use it as a form of prayer, right? As here, God, and bring you. You see all of these things that are swirling in my brain. Would you bring peace uh, to my brain (laughs) and help me know that my who you say I am is as important as if I do or do not check everything off this list.
0: See, I think that's a great, great way to frame journaling too. Obviously the mm-hmm. like prayer of X-Men has always been thought of mm-hmm. as a prayer, but, mm-hmm. you, but just what you just said, I mean, who, who would think that writing my limits down is a prayer, but it really is. And yeah. so I, I think I love, I love how you just, the way you just did there. I think it's wonderful. Now, if I'm, um, we live in a weird time now, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we've had this COVID stuff. It's been super hard on parents that have children with the figuring out how to do school. If you have mm-hmm. a, like a child that has special needs, even more scary, yeah. like, you know, like one of my one of my grandkids has cystic fibrosis, so that's put a lot wow, of pressure yeah. on, you know, the um, mom, the, my um, my stepdaughter, and um, mm-hmm. um, well, and all of us. We, you know, we were we, we've out just had to be super mm-hmm. extra careful and stuff. So, um, you know, that's what makes it hard to work um, for mm-hmm. some folks. And then we have, um, you know, long term, our, our economies had issues with people sometimes being underemployed too. So, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the desire to do it all, some people don't would probably like to have the shot to go for it, but right. they don't have it. So what's a spacious yeah. look life look like for a person that doesn't know the time crunch because of right. life, the way the circumstances have gone for them?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think no matter our employment kind of history, you know, the, our limits, if we let them, can invite us to know God and to mm-hmm. make him known and for him to know us. Um, so I do think that that transcends, Right how busy we are. I think often the limits look scary um, to someone who is busy and achieving so many things. Mm -hmm. And limits can look scary to those who are underemployed because it feels like, gosh, I'm never, you know, I'm never going to quote unquote make something of myself or, you know, I'm stuck in this retail job when I'm overqualified, um, but there's no other jobs. And so I I think when we let our limits to of seasons, particularly, be a gift. Uh, we can press into them instead of fighting against them. I um, I have a, a quiz at on my website at aspacious.life where I, I ask people what's their hustle habit, and you know, regardless of our employment history, I think we can ignore our limits, or we can try to control our limits, or we can blame other people and circumstances, or we can fall into like a shame spiral, and I think. We can do those, you know, if let's say you have a degree, a master's degree in in, you know, in masters of fine arts or something, and you've written a fabulous novel, but no one's picked it up. And so you're working at Starbucks 20 hours a week um, and kind of cobbling together odd jobs, you, you know, I think we can say, Oh, well, here's the limits of this season, but I'm you know, and we can tend to ignore them or that person could choose to like blame all of these systems, um, they could blame their, you know, their, their loans, you know, we could blame everything and say, the problem is out there. Or you could choose to ignore that kind of limit of that season and just, you know, throw yourself into work or throw yourself into a relationship. And none of those then are actually enabling us to both maybe accept a limit that we have in this moment, or actually bring that to God and to feel like, We are known by him
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and he understands that and he will help us walk through that limit. I think most of the times we tend to choose one of those four ways of pushing off a limit. Um, And so I would just encourage that person to press in, um, to press into that limit, to walk through maybe that loss and that pain and know that we have our savior who did the same thing.
0: That's good. That's good. And so, oh. What's next for, for you, Ashley, do you have a, um, again, I know, well, I guess what's next is you're working on getting the, your, your book out into right. the world here, but yes. uh, do, do you already have, a, something else in the works long-term? Do you have like a, like a research project that you're continuing mm-hmm. to build? I mean, you had your first book on, uh, finding holy in the suburbs and you have spacious mm-hmm. life. Um, do you have mm-hmm. uh, some longer term goals over the next five or 10 years about what might be next for you?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It is funny, right? How COVID is helping us kind of reevaluate so many things. Um, people have moved, they've changed jobs and careers. And, you know, I think um, both, there's a sense that I really love to keep writing. Um, yeah. And I would love to turn kind of some of my PhD work into a book for the general public um, that's read beyond like the three academics, <laughs> you know, who did my my dissertation um, examination. So I would like to work with some of that material. Again, that sounds really fun. Um, and then, you know, as my husband and I, as we've talked about lots of kind of cultural, what are the cultural things in the water? Um, Where can we best serve the church? I think besides kind of local pastoral ministry that he does, and, you know, ministry that we do together in our neighborhood and community, I think we're trying to address some of those larger questions about, you know, the ways in which these narratives of unconstrained freedom have actually caused a lot of pain um, and hurt for people, and what might be some you know ways in which we could reassert a good sort of institutionalism um, and communal identity for the church. So we're working on what that might look like um, to bring together some good questions and practitioners and academics and writers and thinkers. Um, so hopefully that becomes a thing that <laughs> in the next, good. Yeah. yeah, in the next uh, few years. But um, yeah, that's that's what we got going on.
0: <laughs> this, this is kind of a strange question, but I like to ask it to see what people say, is there a book that you're afraid to write that's mm-hmm. inside of you somewhere? Or you've at least thought about it, but you'd never even put a sentence to paper for it. To...
1: Yes, I love that question. I think it's a good question. Um, I think I you know every book is a book I'm a little bit afraid to write, like, oh, what's gonna happen with this one? Um, and, you know, I just realizing that there will be a lot of, of loss and work and internal work that's required. And so, yeah, like yeah. everyone else, I, I want to fight against that. Um, I would like, I have never really written fiction and I would mm. like to try that. And I think yeah. sometimes I can just, I'm, I already know it's going to be horrible, but it would be really fun to try. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. that's something I would like to make time, even right when we were talking about play, um, you know, choosing okay, like I'm going to give myself 10 minutes, right? To play the guitar poorly or to write a really bad novel. (laughs) And just those 10 minutes is a form of play. And so I think sometimes... App. that might be a
0: way to go forward. That's good. That's really good. So um, for you, you uh, in your typical day, when you talk about having limits and such, what 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 does mm-hmm. your day look like in terms of like your own personal, and, and you don't have to be any more personal than you want to on this question, but like, what's a mm-hmm. rule of life look like for you right mm-hmm. now with having mm-hmm. small children and um, just being busy like you are? How does, what, mm-hmm. what, what does your rule of life look like?
1: Yeah, you know, I think We have, um, in all of our ministerial contexts, we have led people through Pete Scazzaro's emotionally healthy spirituality course. And so, yeah, it is. So, that has been helpful, both like the communal aspect, but then it helps you practice the daily office and Sabbath, and and then be talking about all of these things in community, um, and then developing kind of a rule of life. I feel like our last year and a half have been full of a ton of transition. Um, we ended up homeschooling our kids last year because four kids and COVID and work changes. Um, and so I am hopeful once fall starts to feel like, okay, I can kind of re-enter that conversation about what does a rule of life look like when we have a little bit more, we have good limits, right? We have, my kids will be in school and they'll have a few sports things that they're doing. And so it'll allow me, I think this space in which to know, okay, what are the things yeah, that bring delight? What can I do? Um, hiking being out in nature practicing the daily office and sabbath one thing we always do for our sabbath is we make sure we have dessert that day right oh, and, <laughs> um, and we have dessert first so i think my youngest daughter thinks that that's what sabbath is is dessert but <laughs> that's okay at least there's a positive connotation at this point um and so i think you know those sorts of things will continue but i'm excited to kind of see as there is some sort of normalcy I hope this fall um to see what kind of formational practices but you know it's it's the daily office it's the weekly sabbath it's like a monthly call with my spiritual director um and then I've actually started doing um I've put together some like pocket practices that I call um practices you can keep in your pocket and you know what I envision so I've been starting to do some of those and I put them together kind of as a pre-order for my book um But, you know, they're just little like little cards um, that people could keep. You know, I just imagine like the woman who's in the carpool lane and maybe despairing about her life, (laughs) you know, you've got your pocket practices to, you know, to read a bit of scripture or a truth to remember or, you know, a question to invite, you know, some reflection and that, you know, that these might be, you know, just small spiritual disciplines that we can take out, you know, in the middle of our day or, you know, alongside our Bible reading in the morning that might help help us actually connect the dots between what we actually believe and how we live.
0: That's good. I love the thing with the Sabbath with your... I think you said it was your daughter about, uh, yeah. associate seven with, <laughs> with dessert like, that, that, yeah. I mean, what a great memory that's going to be long-term for her and, right. and how you're in your teaching the faith. Cause I just remind <laughs> me when my, uh, my kids are grown up now, but mm-hmm. uh, my, when my 23 year old was, geez, I think three or four, mm-hmm. she associated going to church with being with her friends Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. So that just remind yeah. me of that. So thanks, so thanks for that. We can learn yes. a lot from, from kids about the, we well, everything you've been talking about. So that's really cool. So yeah. what would be, um, what, what are two or three books outside of the Bible that have really helped you and you're thinking about spiritual formation or, or really mm-hmm. helped you help shape you spiritually yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, one book that I kept coming back to when I wrote my first book was um, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry mm-hmm. Nowen. Uh, Because that was that story about um, who God is was so formative for me to just kind of meditate on. um, I think we we can say that God is good, but I think I had experienced moving back home to the suburbs. Like I knew that's what He had for us, but this was not my life plan. And so, um, kind of meditating on that book um, was a way to begin to realize not just that you know we're the younger son but you know but we're also the older son standing there in con in condemnation and our god is like that father that comes and meets both sons um in both like their their righteousness <laughs> and in their brokenness and so i think it it, ge- it gave me a lot of freedom to figure out how do i live this season well um to kind of re remember and reimagine the goodness of God when sometimes we tell ourselves wrong stories about who God is. And more, more recently, um, I've just read Stephen Garber's visions of vocation. And one thing he talks about in that book is how, what we know leads to responsibility and responsibility leads to care. And I just, I think it's just a helpful way to think about vocation and calling. Um, in kind of very practical ways that knowledge leads to responsibility. Because most of the time we're just like, oh, I just know this thing. But if we know it, then we're responsible for it. And not only responsible, but then we're invited to care. Um, And I feel like that feels like a hopeful message.
0: And then the last thing, uh, Ashley, uh, what, where can folks find out more? I mean, you mentioned, a, I think it was spacious.life where you can get mm-hmm. a quiz. I mean, where, where would be if yes. folks want to connect with you online? I'll put, I mean, I'll have your other links. I can right. put them in, I'll put them in yes. the show notes, but where'd be yeah, the best the, place for folks the to very find out more best, about Yeah, you?
1: the very best place would be, yeah, it's a spacious.life. So it's the title of the book. And you Aspacious. can, right there, you can. Do a little hustle habit quiz. And then I've provided like a one page roadmap per type. So if you tend to ignore, blame, shame, or control your limits, I have like some few questions to consider and a Bible verse and a few practical pointers. Um so that's a great starting point. Um, and then also on August 16th and beginning August 9th, I'm gonna be opening up a new community called a spacious community to help not only think about the themes in the book, but you'll get some virtual meetings with me and coaching and the, you'll get those pocket practices early on, which is pretty fun. Um, so it'll be a way to like practice what does a spacious life look like before the book's book comes out. So that's all at a spacious.life. And then otherwise you can find me at social media at AAHales.
0: Okay, well, well, thank you so much, uh, Ashley, for being my, my guest today. I'm really grateful for... You're so welcome, for, Brian. Yeah, and grateful for what God's doing in your life uh, and the ministry of writing and you sharing uh, this wonderful book with, uh, with, the, with the world.
1: Thank you. It's been an honor to be here.
0: And thanks all for all you listeners uh, who are with us all the way to the end today. Uh, until next time, live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope to others. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I invite you to check out the show notes for resources to find out more about this week's guest. And if you really found this episode helpful, would you take a couple minutes and share it with a friend or share it on your social media? Or even better, if you could leave a review wherever you have located this podcast and that will help other people f- to find it. If you're interested in Centering Prayer, I'd invite you to go to centeringprayerbook.com and sign up for information about my forthcoming book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. It'll be out in September, and I'd love to share with you some resources to help you get started on a centering prayer practice in advance of my book coming out. We'll see you next week.